Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Williams and you're listening to Know Your Own Psychology. After many years building a successful career as a psychologist, I finally realised that it didn't reflect the autonomy and freedom I wanted in both my life and work. As I made plans to begin working for myself, my husband died suddenly and my whole world fell apart. But with a young family to look after and big dreams I did not want to give up on, I took some time and in the middle of the global pandemic, I left my old life behind. Today, I'm a private psychologist, digital course creator, mum to five and best-selling author. My mission is to simplify psychological ideas so that you can know your own psychology, influence all the areas of your life and achieve more meaning, freedom and purpose. Are you ready to be empowered? This is Know Your Own Psychology, the podcast. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Dr. Wallace G. Nichols. Wallace is a marine biologist turned blue mind advocate and author. In this episode, you're going to hear about how Wallace has dedicated his life to the healing power of water, how water helped him personally after a devastating fire ripped through his family home in 2020, and how blue mind is something that we can all incorporate into our daily lives to feel happier and healthier. This was such an exciting episode for me. As a kid who took to the water early and an ex-competitive swimmer, I've had a long-standing affinity with the water. I've also toyed with how I might incorporate Blue Mind principles into my own therapeutic work. This is a wonderful conversation with someone who simply wants to spread the science behind why water can be such a powerful element in our lives. I was so grateful to be able to connect with Wallace from all the way across the pond. I hope you love this episode as much as I did. Enjoy. And as Wallace says, I wish you water. I would so appreciate, just to begin with, if you could just introduce yourself, tell us a bit about your life and work, and why you're so passionate about the benefits of being in, on, under, or near water. Well, uh, I'm a marine biologist by training, and I chose that career uh, because at a young age, I loved the feeling of being near, in, on, or underwater. And it it was, looking back, I didn't describe it this way, but uh, I can look back on it and see how it was therapeutic. As a young person, um, I was was shy. you would have called me an introvert these days. I score mm. I score pretty high on the introvert test. Um, I stuttered, stammered a bit. Uh, so being on land and interacting with fellow humans wasn't my strong place. Um, I was adopted, so I had questions about myself, my origins, um, where I was from. And so I found being in the water um, to be really relaxing. People didn't ask you questions. You didn't have to answer them. You didn't <laughs> stutter under, you can't stutter underwater. You're just, it was a quiet, safe place. And I was always drawn to spend, you know, be the first in the water, the last out of the water, which I think led me to a career as a marine biologist and studying sea turtles around the world and helping um, do sea turtle conservation work. Um, tracking them with transmitters and doing genetics and pretty much any kind of science science you could do with the sea turtle we did, but all in kind of in favor of 
saving them. And through that, I, I recognized that my, my peers and my colleagues, coworkers, um, I could see that they felt better by the water. And so it reminded me of my own, my own journey. And I became increasingly curious about, about why, uh, as a scientist, we ask why all the time. Sure. And, um, I wanted to read a book about, you, you know, neuropsychology meets water. And I'd read books about your brain on music, a wonderful book by the late Oliver Sacks, neurologist called Musicophilia, lovely book. And so I figured there must be a book about your brain on water in, in a similar or a similar style. Sure. And I wanted to read that and apply it to my work. And when I went looking for that book, I came up short. I couldn't find one and uh, thought maybe it was out of print or in a different language or I was just not searching right. Um, exhausted the possibilities and then realized that somebody needed to write the book I wanted to read. So I tried to convince <laughs> Dr. Sachs, among other people, that they should write it yeah. so that I could read it. And I failed at that. <laughs> and that just led led the whole project to my doorstep. And I remember when I pitched the idea for this book to, to Oliver Sacks, wonderful writer, brilliant neurologist, water lover, music lover, huge intellect, um, powerful thinker. I was so excited. And he said, it's a fine idea. You do it. And it took me five years to do it, which was to research and write this book called Blue Mind. Um, so that I could think about these things and read about them. But yeah. um, point is, I, I didn't set out to write a book. I set out to read one and <laughs> then took a long way around to get there. Sure. Um, Sure. So. I love that. It's it's so interesting, isn't it? Um, how life can take these twists and turns and we don't expect to be doing a thing and, and now that's your life's work really. Um and I appreciate you, you know, sharing some of your own um origin story and, and a bit about, you know, how that got you thinking about the therapeutic benefits of water. Um now I found your book Blue Mind um last year and I'd always been interested in the power of water on our mental well-being I'm an ex-competitive swimmer and when I read your book I was actually staying in a place that's hugely meaningful to me it's on a beautiful stretch of sandy beach overlooking the North Sea in Scotland so a bit cold but I know just similarly to what you said that whenever I go there I simply just feel better and I remember having a real urge to visit there um, just before my final exams at university and I was really stressed out and I knew that going to that place overlooking the water would just help me. Can you perhaps maybe talk to this phenomenon of blue mind and explain what it means and how that works and a little bit about why it is that we feel so much better when we're um, beside the sea or beside a body of water? Yeah, I think so. Your point there, first off, is it's it it could be a sea, could be an ocean, could be a bay, could be a river, could be a lake or a lock or a creek. Um, could be frozen, could be the solid form of water, could be fog and clouds, the vapor form of water, could be all of those things. Yeah. Um, so we, we take a very ecumenical approach to water, 
Um, not everybody has a deep relationship with the sea. Some people are more more um, connected to a swimming pool or the bathtub or a river, and that's okay. There's so there's no wrong answer to how, you know what's your water. There's just all correct <laughs> answers. Sure. So I like to ask people, what's your water? And then we start there. So you described your water. I, I could describe mine. The listeners will have a different answer to what's your water. So imagining your water, the, the water you you love, then even long for or crave uh, or have an urge to go visit when you feel anxious or or stressed or edgy. When you just start thinking about going there, the blue mind effect begins just in your imagination. Yeah. So you can taste it and smell it and hear it and see it in your mind. And that begins to shift your, your body. Your, you may, you may notice your, your breathing rate slows. Um, you become calmer. Uh, your, your heart rate may slow down just by thinking about it, beginning to make a plan to go there. Yeah. And as we get closer to the water, visually things become simplified. So the visual field of view uh, is is simplified compared to the built environment. As relaxed as the space where I am right now is, um, there's a lot of visual clutter. I'm in a room, there's windows, there's stuff, there's a pile of books that I need to read. Uh, <laughs> there's my smartphone that I hope doesn't ring and there's people that may come and go. So visually, there's clutter in our world, but when we get to the water, that goes away. So water water takes things away and it gives us things. Those are both important components. So water takes away the visual clutter. Um, it simplifies the, the our surroundings from an auditory perspective. Yeah. So the sound of the water is is kind of can be very rhythmic. It can mask out, um, really masks human voices quite well. It gives you the sense auditorily of, of solitude. So now visually simplified, auditorily, you, you have a, a, a bubble, really, a cone of solitude in a way mm. that it's, it's, it's hard to hear much other than the sound of the water. So that creates, a, 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 it takes away the noise and the chatter and the voices, uh, the sirens, the sound of traffic, whatever's distracting you on land as you step up to the water. And then when you get in, uh, you give up this feeling of gravity, right? So even sitting here where I am right now, my brain is coordinating probably 200 muscles uh, in the background without me even really realizing it, just doing it so that I don't fall out of the chair. And we're doing that all day long, even when we're standing in a relaxed place or sitting or lounging, um, sitting in the car, uh, we're, we're still coordinating. Our brain is doing this work. So when you get in the water and you're just floating, if, if you decide to enter the water, you get that bandwidth back. So what happens is you get this visual, auditory, and somatic bandwidth back, and your brain doesn't just go to sleep and say, wow, thank you, I'm just going to turn off. <laughs> it switches into this other mode, which I refer to as blue mind, which is better at some things. So when you're distracted and edgy and maybe a little anxious, you're better at some things. And when you're calm and focused and mindful, you're better at other things. And that's the blue mind mode versus 
the red mind, uh, red mind state. Sure. Um, both are very useful. Red mind is super useful, helps us get things done. Sometimes we need to fight. Sometimes we need to run. Uh, sometimes we need to meet deadlines and strive and stay up all night uh, and compete. But if that's all you have, if all you have is red mind, you will burn out. And that's gray mind. That's not good. Yeah. Not that useful to anybody. Sure. Um, so blue mind is kind of an antidote to red mind. The water is one way to facilitate it, probably the best way. And, and again, the actual water, wild water, but also um, imaginary water and virtual water, paintings, photographs, mm -hmm. films, poems, sure. stories about water. Sure. Um, so that's a really, really broad, quick overview of, of what Blue Mind is. But it's, uh, I believe it's a, a universal response to yeah. the water planet we live on by the water beings that we are. Uh, yeah. We are mostly water. We all came out of our own private ocean called Mom, um, yeah. Yeah. where we spent 9.21 months swimming around yeah. uh, happily. Yeah, I love that. Um, and how, how you describe that is so interesting because it feels like um, you're almost describing meditation, like a meditative mm -hmm. state. And I think, are you quoted as saying something like the water, you know, the water meditates you, right? That yes, actually that's right just to go there, just to be there, you know, actually does it to you and you don't have to then do something. It's interesting because I talk to my clients all the time about meditation and some people do struggle and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sort of trying to have that conversation around meditation might be different for you. It doesn't always mean, you know, sitting in silent reverie, you know, in your house or, you know, there's other ways to do that. Um, and I love that you've contrasted that with Red Mind. It was also the next question just to, you know, um, help us think about, the contrast of red mind and then grey mind when we're completely burnt out, potentially quite depressed, low moods, low energy, that type of thing. Um, so thank you for for outlining that. And I, I also love what you said, like watch your water, because for everyone that that will be different. And I hadn't really thought about that until you said it. Okay. Now some you... people are, have serious fears of water. So when yeah. you if you assume that a big wild sea will be their water you may it may be something that scares them and puts them more in a red mind mode or mm -hmm. contributes to their burnout even thinking about it so mm -hmm. i always like to start with the question what's your water what's the water you think of that's relaxing that you dream of that you you're fond of memories maybe your first um pleasant water experience that you can remember sure. um, lots of ways to kind of get into it with people but everybody's got a different answer yeah. Um, but I also think that, med that your point about meditation, some people, when you say the word meditation, they aren't interested. They feel like they can't or don't want to do it. And if they try, they struggle. And so some for some people, we just avoid that word entirely yeah. uh, and just approach it differently. It's a, it's a mildly meditative state, but we don't need to call it meditation sure. if that's an off-ramp for some people. We'll just call it blue mind yeah, and get on with it. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's so important, isn't it? When you're working with people therapeutically to use the language that they're using to um, adapt what you're doing, what therapy is, you know, to people and, and what it needs to be for people. 
Um, okay, now, one of the things I was thinking about was that in the UK, there's been a real upsurge, I think, in the last few years of people embracing wild swimming, what we're calling wild swimming now. Um, you know, we never used to call it that. We just used to call it swimming. But yeah, <laughs> and often pretty cold water, I guess. Um, and one of the things that we know about cold water immersion, of course, is that and more generally exposing your body to cold temperatures is it actually has that sort of positive impact on aging and longevity. And you talk to that a little bit in the book. And I just love to understand a bit more about what you make of this and can water prolong our lives? Mm-hmm. Well, so there's you can unpack the the wild swimming um, activity all of its components so there there's the what we just talked about how the water takes away the visual the auditory and the somatic stimulation and gives you this blue mind place Mm -hmm. um there's also the the exercise so very very clear uh that the physical social and emotional health benefits of exercise so wild swimming checks that box big big time really strong check mark there and then you add in the contrast therapy between you know, the, the cold water and that stimulation, which you could say is a kind of stress, but it's a, a good kind of stress. Yeah. You know, it, it, it boosts your heart rate and you do have a, a mammalian dive reflex that responds uh, to that cold water immersion. Um, and, you know, a lot of people describe it as kind of a, a way to inoculate yourself against the other kinds of stress that can chew you up. And, and break you down so I, you find people being um feeling empowered like if i can do this if i can deal with this physical stress i can definitely deal with that social stress at the office that's nothing compared to this cold water swim i just did <laughs> at 6 a.m and uh the middle of the winter and so you've got got that aspect and the physiological benefits and i and i think it's important to kind of point out that um, it's an, it can be an extreme activity. So you do want to, um, not over prescribe or overstate, um, uh, the activity, but also be aware that there, you know, it's, it's a shock to your body. And if you're, if you're in poor health, it could, it could be detrimental. So take your time, yeah. you know, it's uh, you don't need to jump into the ice water for 10 minutes on day one. Yeah. Uh, it might just be enough to go out there and, and dip your toe and acclimate to the concept of swimming in cold water uh, practice in your, in your shower with cold water yeah. at the end of a shower mm-hmm. and so on. But the um, you know, the, the research is relatively young in terms of the, the longevity aspects, but mm-hmm. um, all of those, all of those boxes that, that wild swimming checks uh, from a, from a health and wellness perspective, but also there's a, a really great social aspect. And I'm, I'm always amazed when you read articles or interact with wild swimming groups, mm-hmm. they're, they're, the camaraderie yes. um, and the, the sociality of it. Um, there's joy and there's friendship and there's commitment to each other and the, you know, the, the swim times and places. Um, there's something to talk about back on land and the research on on having having friends and being social is also very clear. Uh, it's good for our health, you know. So um, the wild swimming ticks all the boxes. It's uh, outside in motion, 
solving problems together, which is what we are evolved to be good at. Uh, And it's the opposite of modern life and schooling and offices inside sedentary, Mm -hmm. often isolated, being told what to do, maybe not feeling like you're solving problems, you're just doing your job and that will burn you out. So uh, I think wild swimming, the the phenomenon and the expansion of it um, has led to all all good things. Um, Flip side of that is it requires healthy water. And so in the UK and around the world, there are challenges in certain places in terms of water pollution. And so the good thing is that the wild swimming movement is creating uh, a bigger group of people who care more and very personally about the quality of the water. So those things go hand in hand. It used to be that um, a lot of the, the ocean water quality activists were surfers and maybe kayakers. Mm. Uh, and now we, we're adding to that group of people who care very, very intimately and very personally mm. because they're going to get in the water and the water's going to go up their nose, in their ears, <laughs> everywhere else, probably swallow some of it. Yeah. And they don't want to get sick. They want they want to be healthy because of wild swimming, not ill because of ingesting the water. And so you get this um, environmental movement that grows out of the wild swimming movement, which I think is an added benefit, the public health and the environmental health benefits. Yeah, absolutely. And I've witnessed that um, the camaraderie that you talk about um, within wild swimming groups and the commitment to the time and, um, you know what I found about it that was very interesting was the breadth of uh, people who would go so that would be the, the thing that they have in common but they come from all walks of life you know and yeah it just feels like a very safe space actually um and I just wanted to mention for anyone who is interested in the science behind cold water immersion there's a really great book um, by David Sinclair called Lifespan. So that goes into not just cold water, but just, you know, being cold generally and how that shocks the body, as you've talked about, and it helps actually push our genes to to work for us. Um, okay, moving on slightly. Oh, sorry, were you going to say something there, Wallace? Oh, I you know, you reminded me there's a, um, different words people use. So there's wild swimming, but uh, some people call it swimbling, which oh. is just kind of, getting in the water and just moving around and we have a local group here that they just go bobbing they, they okay. say they swim out a little bit into the ocean in the monterey bay and they just talk to each other in a circle when they bob you know yeah. the, the way come and go and they just sort of bob and they don't claim to be athletes but yeah. it is very social and very therapeutic and the water is chilly and it it does all of those things so to your point, they're all shapes and sizes and ages and abilities. Yeah. If you have a good attitude about it, you can do it. And yeah. you don't need to be really even a, a swimmer. As long as yeah. you're safe, you can go bobbing in the cold yeah. water and, and that counts. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I think that's it, isn't it? Water can be for everyone. It's just about finding your water and finding how you're going to do it safely. Okay, just just moving on slightly. Um, so in 2018, um, I lost my husband suddenly, 
And six weeks later, I went to the water with my kids to the place that I spoke about before. And my daughter had wanted to try a surfing lesson and she was just like five years old. So, you know, the instructor had said, well, you'll have to go in with her to support her and be around. Now, she was so competent after just a few waves that the instructor then encouraged me to go grab a board and give it a try. And I was very reluctant. But honestly, when I got up on top of that wave, I just immediately fell in love with surfing. And I don't claim to be hugely skilled. I just find it such a mindful and powerful thing to be in the water, watching the swell and then catching a wave. Um, and I just, you know, I wonder because th that really helped heal me and start me on a different mm -hmm. path, you know. And I wonder now if you might be able to share any struggles you've had and how water has helped to heal you. Yeah, I think the um, the healing and the grieving benefits, um, it's, a, it's a particular part of this conversation when you've experienced um, uh, heartbreaking, heart-shattering loss yeah. and you are in that disoriented place. Yeah. Um, for many people I've found going to the water whether surfing or swimming or sitting on a bench near the water is a great place to grieve and to mourn. Um, screaming underwater is a great thing to do or in the shower. A lot of people cry in the shower when they're feeling yeah. this way. Um, recently, uh, a little over two years ago, um, in the middle of the pandemic, we experienced a, a catastrophic wildfire that came through and burned three million acres around California. But our, our local fire was was ninety thousand acres, and we lost our home with all of our belongings that were in it. Um, got very little out. Um, we were all okay. We're all safe. Um, and that was a a loss that I I could never have imagined. As you mm. would say, the feeling. Uh, that would come and on the other side of such a loss. Um, and it was incredibly disorienting to lose all of your things at once. And then to, um, as you did, you need to continue to parent. Yeah. And you're a leader of your family and you need to make sense of it for them. And that was challenging. Um and I found myself going to the water, like to, you know, just getting stripped down and getting in Mill Creek, just icy, icy stream, and just sitting in at the end of every day, just sitting in the creek and also going to the ocean, um, swimming, surfing, um, just as a, a way to kind of recenter um, and let, and also to let go. And there's so, so many. Uh, negative thoughts and sad thoughts and um, ruminations and just layers of every day. I would think of something that disappeared in the fire, that burned in the fire. All of my books and all of my journals and all of the kids' artwork. And and I, you know, it's sad and you need to process that and be sad, but you can't just stay there. And um, And I know every time getting out of the water, I felt uh, alive again at least for a little while until those thoughts kind of crept in again and I needed to jump in the water again um, and not not to belittle um, 
the pain of loss at all. Uh, I think we we all will experience some some version of that um, or have, but it's good to have some ideas in mind and uh, things in your toolkit that you know that could work and could help you because you don't want to just stay wrecked in in that slide into that gray mind place. It's just yeah. um, easy to let that happen you know yeah absolutely uh, yeah I'm I'm so sorry to hear of that experience and I'd, I'd seen some of that actually through your Instagram and I'd, when I was researching and I just I can't imagine you know um and it, you know it's interesting my, my loss was sudden that sounds like a sudden loss it's not something mm. that you're expecting and I think that has a, a a particular quality to it doesn't it when you're not able to prepare for that you know it's just one day you wake up and your life is different and you've just got to kind of survive and cope um and actually I'm so grateful to the instructor who sort of encouraged me and pushed me because I probably would never have done it I had very young children you know um so it's it's always been difficult to find that time but I do I do love it and it's been incredibly helpful and actually you talking about the toolbox brings me on to my next question which was you know, as I understand it, embracing um, the benefits of Blue Mind and incorporating them into your life, as you've sort of mentioned, can be as simple as taking a shower to surfing or just walking the coast. Could you maybe give like your top suggestions as to how people might do that on a daily basis? Like what kind of things you would suggest? Well, yeah, there's something that I call Blue Scription, which um, oh, wow. is unique to each of us. And it's a it's a simple process that I can do and you can do and anybody listening can do for themselves. Um, and it's to make a list of you know, the wild water that you can get to wherever you are. Yeah. You know, if you can get to some kind of wild water daily or weekly, just make the list of the names of that water. And then also make a list of the domestic water that you can get to daily or weekly or, or even monthly or annually. So swimming pool or a spa, or your own bathtub or shower, or uh, a pool out, maybe your neighbor has a pool, or there's a community pool, but all, that's the domestic domesticated water. Um, and then make a list of the virtual water, so the, the water poetry that you love, or the water songs that light you up, um, the water-related artwork, photography, films, um, that's all virtual water. So anywhere that is watery, but there is no actual water present, that's the virtual water. Uh, and then make the list of the imaginary water that you like to think of, like the, your best water memories. And they can be wild water or domestic water, or even virtual water, but make a list of the, your imaginary water. Um, and so now you've got this enormous list that's personal to you that can be accessed daily or weekly or monthly. And you might have even throw, throw the big long shot dream trip on your list that might happen once in a lifetime, it might be far flung destination that will require saving your resources and planning a big, big giant trip. Put that on the list too, as just the big, the big dream, dream water. Um, and then, then you can kind of map out uh, a daily blue mind session. And sometimes it can be close, closing your eyes and imagining it for a few minutes or 
locking the bathroom door and getting in the bathtub with the right sea salt and candles and music or reading a book of poetry by Pablo Neruda is one of my favorites. Uh, he writes about the ocean beautifully. Um, or taking a walk, you know, right out your door and going to the first water you can get to and having a sit just right there and listening to it or watching watching the birds and the fish. Um, or something more adventurous, which could be the taking a surf or going for a wild swim. Um, and once you start putting that together, and that that is going to be specific to your you your life, your preferences, and your geography. Mine is going to be different. Um, then keep that handy, you know, and try to pick something off that list every day, even if it's the same thing. It's no no problem. Uh, I like to say um, endeavor to practice blue mind for twenty three minutes every day. Uh, the research <laughs> says, yeah, the research says 20 minutes. And I, I like the number 23 better for all kinds of reasons. Uh, and it's, it's odd. And it's an odd thing. You know, you say 23, why 23? It's because it's three minutes more than the daily recommendation. Um, and maybe it sticks more when I say 23. Uh, but if you can do 23 minutes, and you can, you can do blue mind while you're doing something else. So if you're walking the dog, Take the dog for a walk by the water or in the rain and really be mindful of the sound and, and how the water feels. Um, maybe you want to listen to a podcast. Well, bring it, go into your bathtub and listen to this podcast in the bathtub. Yeah. So stop right now, get in the bathtub <laughs> and then hit play again for this, the rest of this podcast. Uh so there are ways that you can make it compatible and not just like, oh, 23 minutes, I don't have time for that. Well, yeah, of course you do. You can, uh, if you're driving in a car, you can put on the sound of a, of a river for 23 minutes or the sound of an ocean rather than the news that makes you more amped up or more worried about life. Just put on the sound of water, maybe the sound of rain um, and practice blue mind that way. So Sure. Um, it's kind of fun, a fun exercise and to create your own blue scription. And um, the great thing about a blue scription is, you, you know, you can create one for yourself or you can create one for me. You can create one with your clients and you can't overdo it. You can't overdose on blue mind. There's no, no downside. Um, and you can create a blue scription that is, is very low cost as well. Yeah. Uh, if you design it for your life where you live and that's another another big benefit yeah. yeah I love that idea because you know we're talking about sort of working with what you've got and also just um almost making it intentional that when you're walking the dog like you're realizing as well that you're doing something for yourself that benefits you um and I, the other thing that stands out for me about what you just said is this idea that you can even imagine water and it will have similar benefits you know um so psychologists will use this all the time in therapy we talk about it as in vivo you know so we're, so we're doing work with you and getting you to visualize and think about being in a place or being in a time when something's been happening and so yeah it just feels like a really um useful way for people to think about that that they can they can sort of embrace that right now from today 
the minute they get off the podcast. Um, my dream water, by the way, is Maui in Hawaii. So that'll yeah. be in my blue description for the future. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, put a picture of Maui up on the wall somewhere and, you know, yeah. that, that will work. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay. Just a couple more questions um, for you now. So, you talk in the book actually and it's really powerful um you've seen firsthand the benefits of water for veterans who have had incredibly traumatic experiences um i talk about trauma with my clients almost daily um and i just wondered what you think the water has to offer those who specifically have experienced real trauma well the yeah the what the research is very clear about is that the people who need Blue Mind most derive the greatest benefits. You see the needle move the most yeah. for those who are carrying the heaviest loads of, of, of traumatic experiences and um, anxiety, depression, burnout. Um, the people who are who need it the most, you see the, the greatest benefits. Not to say that if you're if you're doing all right, if you think you're not really on that extreme. You will still achieve benefits, but the needle will not necessarily move as far. Um, I think it's it's a combination of all the things we discussed. I think the you know you talked about surfing, and you can't think about much else while you're doing these activities. They sort of require your your presence and your mindfulness. So it is a mindfulness practice um, facilitated by water. Or, all these other benefits, you know, along with it, the physical benefits of, of exercising in water. Um, but what I've also seen, the most effective work has the, the personal individual therapeutic aspect, but also a strong service aspect. And mm -hmm. in, in particular, uh, with first responders and veterans who have lived uh, lives and have careers that are all about service, they're kind of uncomfortable with the attention on on their therapeutic needs. They're uh, more comfortable when it's um, in a, a service context. And so I'll give you an example. There's a, a group called Force Blue, and it's a, a group of veterans, uh, special forces veterans from the U.S., uh, the U.K., and including Australia. And they've they've been through a lot. And many of them have post traumatic stress. And what Force Blue does is rather than focus on their therapeutic needs, they focus on, on service. And it, it's a group of men and women who have, have aquatic uh, skills. And those aquatic skills are repurposed to uh, protect and restore sea turtles and coral reefs. And so there's the benefit of the act of service um, that is part of their DNA. And there's the blue mind therapy that's built in and it's not done in a sneaky way. In fact, all mm -hmm. of the trainings at Forest Blue, day one is a class in Blue Mind. Mm -hmm. So they get it straight out the gate that this is going to be therapeutically beneficial to them. Mm -hmm. And then they can share it with their, their friends and colleagues and family members. Um, and then we move on to the saving the coral reefs and the, the techniques, the specific science of, of the reef and of the turtles that requires their skills so that when you can weave in some, some service piece, um, particularly when someone is coming from a, a service background uh, or service career, I, I, I've, I've noticed that those programs 
uh, work even better uh, for you know the healing process. Mm. Um, so that that's something I I learned just just through observing and, and working with uh, different different groups with veterans and and first responders, the ones that have that service component. Sure. Um, yeah. Work even better. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? You know how helping others can help us heal. And, you know, we have some amazing um, projects. You may have heard of them in the UK. So we have the WAVE project here where, you know, they take out um, vulnerable children um, to, to surf. Um, and another one very close to home, actually, in um, just outside Edinburgh called Groundswell, Scotland. Um, so Sally, the founder of that, is doing some amazing work. And yeah, I'm just keen to sort of name drop these people and the work that they're doing as much as I can, because it feels very, very important when we start to really understand and pick apart the science behind it. Um, okay, right. Last question for you. Um, how can people find and support you in your work? What would you have them do? Um. Well, I, I do want to I want to say that I, one of the most gratifying pieces of this work for me has been that the Blue Mind has helped um, groups like the Wave Project and Groundswell yeah. do their work better. If they yeah. if they can hand a copy of Blue Mind book to a supporter and say, "Please read this and support us," and use use the information there to fundraise and and attract more volunteers and um, do what they do more and better. It's so much need. And so one of the most gratifying things for me has been that this book has been a tool for the surf therapy groups and the dive therapy groups and the boating therapy groups and the wild swimming therapy groups um, makes me incredibly happy. So that is the answer. Uh, put put these ideas to to work that's the best thing i can i can ask um if they're new to you and you have a light bulb just went on and you're thinking wow i can do this myself and i can take somebody with me yeah it doesn't even need to be a formal nonprofit effort but um, once you get into your own blue mind routine uh, invite somebody to join you uh it you could save be saving their lives you could be certainly improving their lives if they're really stuck stuck inside stuck on the couch and you're going out for a swim or just a a swimble <laughs> uh, <laughs> grab them and say you're coming with me here's a here's some some shorts to wear here's a wetsuit or we're going naked or whatever it is <laughs> um you know always shoot for that plus one and and that will spread the idea um I'm easy to find, but I, I don't, I, you know, if you're curious about Blue Mind, the best thing you can do is put the words Blue Mind in quotes and do a search with whatever else you're interested in. So if it's Blue Mind and surfing, Blue Mind and swimming, um, Blue Mind and end of life care, um, Blue Mind and autism, Blue Mind and kids, uh, just do, you will find resources out there and it's not not on my website it's out in in the world um because this idea has spread uh into many languages and many many sectors so um and if i can be of service in any way i'll just reach out i'm pretty easy to find that would be the answer there yeah 
Thank you so much for that. And yeah, you know, I would um, encourage anyone to, to to think about how they might incorporate Blue Mind. I'll also obviously um, note to your book in the show notes for today. Um, but just thank you so much for being here and for um, helping me spread some of that for you. And yeah, it's just been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's a lovely conversation. Thanks for listening to this episode of Know Your Own Psychology. If you loved it, please share it on Facebook or Instagram for your friends and family. And if you really want to help me out, drop a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions, you can email me, hello at drlaurawilliams.com. And if you would like to know your own psychology better, influence all the areas of your life and achieve more meaning, freedom and purpose, come and join my growing community over on Facebook. Search Know Your Own Psychology and make a request.